What's up, Longhorn fans? Welcome to episode number three of the award-winning Trey and BK on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Coming up today, we try to pick winners for this weekend's football games, both college and pro. And I say try to because the guy next to me on the screen here has had a tough go of it through the first couple of weeks. <laughs> Where are we at in society? Something is getting 2022 that I'm actually okay with. Stay tuned to find out those details. Before that, we are in the final days, or are we, of you being able to subject your innards to the McRib sandwich at McDonald's. And we start by recapping another Longhorns loss, this time to Oklahoma State in Stillwater. But it's a little bit easier to take in considering what AM football is going through right now. I am Trey Elling, joined as always by my partner in broadcasting crime. The man formerly is known as having the fastest cattle prod this side of Dirty Sixth. He's moved on to fatter and better things in Houston, hosting the Wheelhouse Afternoons on ESPN 97.5. It is Brad Kellner. What's up, BK? How you doing today? Thank you very much for that introduction. And Trey, unfortunately, Texas football is no longer undefeated since we started this podcast. I was hoping we had a lengthy run, but uh, what, we made it one game? for the Longhorns before they decided to lose and ruin everything. So I was hoping we could be credited with the reason Texas was able to turn things around on the field. And unfortunately it's just more of the same here in 2022. Yeah. It really doesn't matter the coach at this point, the uh, Longhorns are going to get up by double digits at some point in the second half. And then they're just going to suffer a complete compl uh, collapse that involves the offense, not pulling its weight, which leads to the defense completely tiring itself out. And Oh, by the way, for a school that for a long time could stake a claim to the whole DBU nickname, Texas has to stay away from that one for a while now. I realize that there have been some great defensive backs in the history of this program, but it's been far too long now. So uh, we don't get to argue with LSU, Ohio State, Florida fans about who the real DBU is right now. Yeah, we had a case until about 2010. We had a case for a lot of things until about 2010. And then over the last dozen years, yeah, this secondary has fallen apart. There's been a couple of good individual players, of course, but way more often than not, we see things similar to what we saw on Saturday in Stillwater. So it's frustrating, man. And oh, by the way, talking about this feeling like deja vu for Texas football fans, uh, the eyes of Texas is another story again involving a head coach at the University of Texas. So it almost feels like things are coming full circle in Austin once again, and well, nobody wants that at all. Before we get too deep into the Longhorn football conversation, I do have to ask, because we discussed it last week, you spent last weekend in Sin City. You were in Las Vegas for a cousin's bachelor party. How did uh, all the the gambling, the the shows that you guys went to, how did all the prostituting go last weekend? It was the least amount of sinning ever done by a group of men in Sin City. I mean, not even close. Like everyone, except for me, but everyone in this bachelor party was probably in bed by 12, 1230 at the Ooh. latest. Every night we were out there. That was uh, a little bit too early for me. So I just stayed up and lost money gambling, which was great. Uh, I did end up. Almost breaking even. Like at one point I was down about 500 bucks and I got back to negative 50. So I'll, I'll call that a win. Like that's not enough of a loss for me to feel upset at all. So I was pretty satisfied with my, uh, my trips to the tables. The slots actually were good to me. Uh, the Buffaloes, those guys were jackasses this time. But Zeus, the power of Zeus, that was the game I was having a lot of success on. So uh, yeah, I wish I had more fun stories 
to tell from the trip. I will say this, something that was pretty cool, maybe the coolest part of the trip, no disrespect to my cousin or the crew, we were flying back to Houston during game four of the ALCS. And we were on United, so they've got the you know the TVs on the back of every seat. So the Astros, of course, won that game to move on to the World Series again. And, man, people were going nuts throughout the course of the game. If you wanted to sleep, it sucked. But people were clapping and cheering, and we got to watch the final out uh, on the plane on a flight back to Houston. So that was pretty cool. Like, that's one of those – like, I'm not the biggest Astros fan in the world. If you followed me, you know that. But I, I support the Astros. And that's one of those, like, you're never going to forget where you are when the team won that game type of thing. So that was uh, – that might have been the coolest part of my trip to Vegas, the flight back. <laughs> I realize how sad that sounds. <laughs> that is saying something, but – you explaining that really makes me think long and hard about my perspective on things because for all those moments where I look at what's going on in the world and I have a, a complete lack of faith that society is going to be okay in the future, I need to always remember back to the fact that mankind has made it possible to watch live sports while you're 10,000 feet in the air traveling hundreds if not thousands of miles from one place to another that you can actually enjoy a moment like that it's pretty amazing isn't it i mean it still blows my mind that we can fly like i don't get how anything works i don't get how elevators work i don't get how like anything operates in today's society but it works things work things operate and i'm grateful for that so yeah pretty cool moment and yeah kind of one of those man we've come a long way as a society the fact that this is something we can actually do yeah, no doubt about that. Well, it sounds like you had a uh, silver lining loss uh, at the gambling tables, which is something that Texas was able to say earlier in the year in a close loss to then number one Alabama. Unfortunately, there really aren't a whole lot of silver linings with their 41-34 defeat to Oklahoma State and Stillwater last weekend. A BK, for me and a lot of other Longhorn fans, it starts with the quarterback position. I think throughout much of this game, the rest of the Texas team was playing at least well enough to help this team pull out a victory. It uh, technically wouldn't have been an upset victory because Texas was favored by nearly a touchdown. But uh, to pull out a victory against a better-ranked Oklahoma State team, but unfortunately, it was Quinn Ewers who continued to shoot this team in the foot over and over again by misfiring and trying to hit receivers throughout the course of this game. And unfortunately, the most glaring example of that is him throwing it to this team's best receiver, Xavier Worthy. Uh, 16 total targets to Worthy, and he only has four completions to show for it. And I almost hate to say this. I almost hate to make this comparison because it's going to sting Longhorn fans, but brace yourself. When I've watched Quinn Ewers these last couple of weeks, BK, I see a little bit of Jay Cutler body language when he's on the field and when he's coming off the field as well. And look, I understand he's four games into his college career. He still is a young guy right now. He literally should be a true freshman. I know technically he's a redshirt freshman at this point, but that is worrying. And on the one hand, you like that a guy has a short memory and doesn't let things affect him too much, whether it's good or bad. By the same token, the rest of the team feeds off that body language too. Yeah, I hope that's a little bit of a wake-up call for Quinn Ewers, right? I mean, he was so good against Alabama in that one quarter of play. You know, he got a ton of praise, both locally and nationally. And the storyline for so many people leaving that game was, oh, man, Texas would have won, and they would have won going away if you were healthy for all four quarters. Then he comes back, and what does he do? And he puts up 49 against Oklahoma, and Texas dominates that game. And it's more praise. It's more praise. Last week against Iowa State, not great. He struggled at times, but Texas won the game. 
Texas won the game. Like this is the first sort of, all right, kind of wake up moment for Quinn Ewers. And I, I, I'm kind of with you, like a little uh, lethargic at times in terms of the body language, but I did like what he said after the game. And I hope he's true to his word about, hey, this being a learning experience, something that he can grow from. And now he realizes that I got to practice harder. Like he said that a couple of times after the game, like I got to practice better. I hope he's like true to his word and not just saying that because that's what I want to hear. I hope he's like actually thinking about that. And over the course of this bye, he really turns it on during practice. So he's ready to go next weekend. But yeah, man, I mean, we'll talk about Sark. We'll talk about the defense. Uh, you can criticize them for a lot of this loss, but you're dead on. I mean, Quinn Ewers is why Texas lost this game. And he looked like a true freshman making his first start on the road in a hostile environment like that. That's what it was. I mean, 14 overthrows, the most by an FBS quarterback in the last three seasons. He was 19 of 49. He's one of three quarterbacks across college football since 2000 to attempt 49 passes and complete less than 20. He was bad. He was really, really bad. And once again, we'll, we'll get to Sark in a minute, but there were a lot of guys that were schemed open by Sark on yeah. Saturday. And credit to the receivers. Like, they were running the routes. They were getting open a lot against an Oklahoma State defense that's not that good. Like, you saw – why Oklahoma State was 75th in the country in scoring defense, one of the worst passing defenses in the Big 12, because receivers were open pretty much all day long on Saturday. The problem was the quarterback just couldn't get there. It was windy, maybe something wrong with it. It doesn't matter. Like, you got to be better. And it's almost amazing, Trey, that the Longhorns even had a chance in this football game, considering how bad Quinn Ewers was for large portions. Yeah, they had a chance in part because Bijan and Roshan uh, looked as good as they've looked all season long, individually and then collectively as well. And uh, it's unfortunate that Steve Sarkeesian never made the decision to replace Quinn Ewers with Hudson Card. He doubled down on that after the game. I know he was asked about it during the Monday presser as well. And he has no regrets with keeping Quinn Ewers in there. And maybe he is thinking back to that Iowa State game, which was also a pretty uneven performance. But Quinn Ewers was making those throws down the stretch that made it a little bit more palatable. For you as somebody who was obviously watching this game in Vegas last weekend, what was the point where, or I guess, would you have replaced Quinn with Hudson? And if so, at what point would you have done it? You know, it's funny, like during the game while I was watching it, I didn't think too much about it, right? Mm -hmm. I was willing to roll the dice with Quinn Ewers a little bit. And I was also drinking a lot, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of thinking anyways out there in Vegas. Uh, but then then I remembered like right towards the end of the game. And look, Quinn Ewers was moving Texas down the field on that final drive. He threw a perfect ball, just went off of Billingsley's hands and turned into an interception like that. That was one of his best balls of the day, that final one. That was the dagger. Um, but I thought back to earlier on Saturday in Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, right? Like DJ Uyunglele has way more skins on the wall than Quinn Ewers does, right? He's been a starter for a couple of years there in Clemson. Clemson's a top 10 team. They hadn't lost a game this season. Like DJ had done a lot of good things this year and he was struggling. He was awful against Syracuse. And what did Dabo do? He went to Kate Klubnik, who I, I think is probably better than DJU, but like that's a ballsy move. And then, oh, by the way, after the game, it's not like Dabo said, oh, we've got a quarterback competition or no, Cade's our guy now. We're done with DJ. He's like, no, DJ's our guy. So Dabo was like, I need to do this to win this game today. And he did it, and it worked. And Clemson would not have won unless Klubnik came in and played and played as well as he did. That's what Sark, that's what Sark probably needed to do. He probably yeah. needed to go, hey, it's not yours' day. We know Hudson Card is capable of making some throws and winning some games. Let's throw him in there. And then after the game, no controversy. Yours is the guy. Just we wanted to win today, so we did this. Like that, that – is what Sark should have done. Easy to say now, but like that, that feels like something Sark should have done, something that Dabo did a couple of hours before on Saturday. Yeah, between 
the plays that are called down the stretch of these close games where Texas is in the process of letting a double-digit lead go and then a situation where maybe you need to replace one guy with another, and it could be at the quarterback position or it could be at running back or wide receiver or any other position on the offensive side of the ball. Based on what you've seen for the last year and a half now, are you starting to get a little bit concerned that Steve Sarkeesian clams up at points where he needs to be really precise with the decisions that he's making? It's hard not to be a little bit concerned, right? I mean, Sark's now lost 10 games at Texas, and he's led at the half in six of them. And in seven of those 10 losses, Texas has had a lead in the fourth quarter or overtime. Like, that that shouldn't happen. And, you know, for as average as a head coach that Sark was before coming to Texas, like, that wasn't an issue with him. Like, he, he wasn't blowing leads at Washington. He wasn't blowing leads at USC. His teams were just getting beat. So this is kind of a new thing with Sark, new at, in terms of at Texas. Obviously, we saw it a lot last year, too. But, yeah, how can you not be concerned at this point? Like, you're not going to win games, and you're not going to win championships if you can't hold second-half leads, especially with Bijan Robinson or Rojo. Like, you talked about it last week. You might have the best one-two punch at running back in the country. Like, you've got the horses capable of bringing you home if you have a lead in the second half, and you just repeatedly can't do it. So, yeah, the play calling's been questionable at times. Obviously, the execution's got to be better, but I don't know how the hell uh, you can't be concerned if you're a Texas fan because this isn't a one-off. This is something we've seen seven times in Sark's 10 losses. I mean, Texas is winning 57% of the games that they've led at halftime since Sark got here. That's absurd. That is ridiculously bad. Like, Tom Herman was better than that. I bet Charlie Strong was better than that. Now, his teams were usually down three scores at halftime. But, like, those guys didn't have those problems. So, that absolutely has to change. But, yeah, long-winded answer to your question. Hell, yes, I'm concerned that this guy doesn't have what it takes to win games and make those winning decisions down the stretch. And, unfortunately, we see a continuation of those ugly stats that, yes, I'm becoming a bit of a broken record with these things. But Steve Sarkeesian not good in conference on the road and not good against ranked competition. Strike another L into each of those categories with the loss last weekend. And he may get another chance to try and get that proverbial monkey off of his back here in a little bit more than a week when this team travels to Manhattan for a Kansas state team that is currently ranked. I realize if they lose to Oklahoma state tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, that will probably no longer be the case, but regardless, it is still a road matchup in a tough environment. And by the way, one that has not been kind to the Longhorns for the better part of this century. No, and they'll be out for revenge, too, after Texas beat them in the regular season finale last year. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I'm not feeling great about that game at all. Texas obviously has this week off. We'll preview that game way more next Friday. But uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I don't know how you can feel confident about that either, right? On the road against ranked teams, like we have no wins to talk about. So it's uh, it's frustrating, man. And it does feel like deja vu for the wrong reasons on the 40 acres. Boy, the most shocking thing to me about what has transpired with this football team so far this season, BK, it's not Quinn Ewers. We expect a freshman quarterback to have his ups and downs. Uh, obviously, the running backs have been great. The wide receiver position has been a pleasant surprise, especially after Isaiah Naor ends up 
uh, suffering a knee injury, going to be or he is out for the entire season. Offensive line is, has provided some positive moments as well. You know, though they've struggled early in games, they seem to get better throughout the course of most of these games. It really does come down to just how thin uh, the defensive backfield is at seemingly every position. And I realize in some cases you're putting true freshmen in there. And so those guys are going to struggle, but we're also seeing examples of guys who have been in this program for a couple of years who are thrust into duty because of an injury or a suspension or something like that. And they are completely incapable of doing the job. Yeah, no doubt. This defense is just like the rest of the team. They struggle on the road. I mean, two true road games this year, Texas has given up 37 and 41 points. Like you're not going to win a lot of games. It's amazing they were both one possession games, right? Lubbock went to overtime. And this game was one score down to the final seconds. Oklahoma State ran 98 plays, Trey. I literally like had to rub my eyes and refresh my internet just to make sure that was an actual set. 98 plays. And oh, by the way, they only had 19 third down attempts, which means 79 of their plays were first or second down on offense. Like they could pretty much do whatever they wanted on that side of the ball. And Spencer Sanders was hurt. He's banged up shoulder. He barely practiced last week, and he was coming off maybe the worst passing game of his career. And that's saying something because we've seen some bad passing games from Sanders during his 18 years starting at Stillwater. He was awful throwing the ball in TCU the week week before, and he got whatever he wanted against this Texas secondary. So you're absolutely right. It's not just the young guys. It's guys who have been here who are not getting the job done. And, I mean, this is a down year for quarterback play in the Big 12. It is. And Texas is making some of these guys look really – Really freaking good. Hell, Donovan Smith, the guy who torched him in Lubbock, doesn't even start for Texas Tech anymore. So it's like you can't be a good football team if your defense doesn't travel with you. You say defense travels, it's not traveling for Texas. It's a different defense we see in Austin versus what we see on the road. So Ewers gets the majority of the blame. But, I mean, PK and Gary Patterson, it feels like when things are going well for the defense, Texas fans say, that's Gary Patterson. And when things are going poorly – PK, we need Gary Patterson to do more. Like, I don't know who it is. I don't care who it is. It's got to be better, or this is going to be around a 500 football team again because they're going to lose just about every game they play away from Austin. That is so true. I had not thought about that dynamic. Yeah. And I don't want to spend too long on this. I know we discussed it a little bit earlier in this broadcast, but, and I'm saying this because I do believe Steve Sarkeesian. I think it was an honest mistake, but do we need to make sure that whatever training, new coaches are going through at the University of Texas that part of that training includes please make sure to stay on the field for the eyes of Texas even if you're not throwing the hook'em hand sign up there just please stay on the field because otherwise it's going to lead to some unnecessary discomfort how does he not know that I mean his predecessor I don't want to say lost his job because of that but that was part of the reason why he lost his job now if Herman was winning a bunch of games people would have overlooked that I think but yeah, you got to be smarter than that. And I've heard stories, Trey, of coaches literally like before the season starts standing on the field and practicing the alma mater, like not just at Texas, like across across the country. Like they literally stand on the field and sing the lyrics to the alma mater so they don't screw that up. It, we know how big of a deal it is at Texas. To you and me, not so much, but to a lot of important people, it's a big deal. You've got to get that thing right. Like don't. Sark's not on a hot seat yet, but I always say this. When you're a coach and you're on a hot or a warming seat, don't do things that make it easier to fire you. Don't do things that make it easier to fire you. And ultimately, Sark's not going to not gonna get let go because of the eyes of Texas. If he wins games and has Texas competing for conference titles, people will overlook that stuff just like me. But if he doesn't, and then you add that on top of it, that's going to create some problems for the uh, decision makers in Austin. 
Yes, it is. Well, uh, all the negativity is uh, maybe uh, a little bit more tolerable considering what is happening about an hour and a half drive away in College Station. The A&M program right now, BK, is just a complete dumpster fire. Not only do they lose to a bad South Carolina team last weekend, I realized that it was on the road, but it's still 2022 South Carolina, losing that one by six points, 30 to 24. But it was announced uh, earlier this week that they were uh, permanently suspending three different uh, true freshman players for an undisclosed uh, violation of team rules. Now, Twitter thinks that it has to do with them literally smoking weed in the locker room either before or uh, during the game last weekend. But it turns out, yes, they uh, are having to suspend uh, three different guys uh, Denver Harris, cornerback that uh, the University of Texas was in on his recruitment last year. Wide receiver Chris Marshall, who's just become a more important component of that team with some injuries suffered in the receiving core. And offensive lineman P.J. Williams were the three guys suspended. Some people were suggesting there may be a fourth guy who could end up getting suspended as well. That has not come down just yet. But boy, things are in a wretched place right now for Jimbo Fisher, who really doesn't have to be concerned about his job because he is still guaranteed more than $80 million on that 10-year contract that was signed just a couple of off-seasons ago. Yeah, I think if they fired him after this season, the buyout would be $95 million. $95 million. So I don't think Jimbo's going anywhere after this season. Now, if A&M loses out, okay, maybe a different conversation. Like That would include a loss to UMass. I think that's the random cupcake game that they've got in November. I don't think that's going to happen. They do have some more winnable games down the stretch this season. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that started in the top 10 this year. Like, they had high hopes and aspirations going into this season. And some people thought they maybe were going to make the playoff this year. Hell, I remember Desmond Howard on ESPN had him playing for the freaking national championship, which everyone called him insane for that. But, like, people thought this was going to be a very, very good Texas A&M team, and they are awful. And it gets bad to worse off the field too. what this is the second set of suspensions involving that heralded freshman class. Like that's not good. You you can't have these guys not bought into your coach or to the future of the program. So it's a disaster for A&M right now. And boy, they didn't show up on time. Uh, Like the game started at six 30. I think they started, uh, thought it started at seven because they were down 17, nothing five minutes into the game. They gave up an opening kickoff return touchdown on the road uh, you can't do that in Columbia. Like that that place was going nuts and it was a madhouse the whole game because AM gave that up. And then they had two turnovers on the first two offensive drives. The offense continues to struggle. The defense can't stop the run to save its life. The on-field product sucks. The off-the-field stuff isn't going well either. Yeah, look, Jimbo, once again, I don't think he's going anywhere this year, Trey, but his seat's gonna be scorching hot going into next season. Cause I think I think cooler heads are gonna prevail and people are gonna say. Give that epic recruiting class a second year, right? Like, let those guys be on campus for a year, and then in year two for them, that's when we need to start seeing results. If it doesn't happen in 2023, you know a has got money. They'll pay it. They'll make Jimbo leave. I'm glad you asked about recruiting, BK, because Jimbo, in a uh, presser earlier this week, was asked about what he is able to tell prospective recruits right now, just considering the direction that the program seems to be heading in. And it was such a wonderfully... Uh, put Jimbo Fisher answer. And there's two different parts here. So I'm going to play part one right now, which does include the question. Uh, With four losses so far, it's been pretty disappointing. What's Mm -hmm. your message to recruits about the future of the program? Look at what we're doing and the guys that happened. And, you know, also, you know, you look at that in the back, they see opportunities. Everybody says, I go somewhere's winning all the time. I may not play for a while. 
know what I'm saying? So for a guy, BK, that has a reputation of being a bit of a used car salesman, he is being kind of honest there that there is a lot of opportunity for playing time for uh, highly rated recruits who want to come in and play as true freshmen. Yeah, he kind of dunked on the guys in his locker room by doing that. and yeah. said, well, you guys aren't good enough, so I'm excited for new players to come in. But he is being honest, right? Like that's that's been something Texas has been able to sell for the last few years. It's like, hey, man, yeah, you can go to Alabama and it's probably the right move if you want to play on Sunday. But you can go to Alabama and wait three years before you get to play, or you could play here right away because we don't have a lot in front of you there. So that's not what AM was hoping Jimbo was selling, right? Like AM wants to be Alabama. Of course, like everyone wants to be Alabama. But after beating them last year, AM's like, hey, we're close. Like we want to be that program where we've got guys starting for a few years and then other guys, the young guys wait their turn and then it's their turn and it just rolls on and on and on. And this machine is going to keep rolling in College Station. That's where they wanted to be. And it's clearly not that right now. So I don't know, man. I'm asking myself the same thing with Texas, right? Like is Texas going to be able to keep Arch Manning? Are they going to be able to keep all of these recruits? Are they going to be able to close out with a strong recruiting class if they go seven and five this season? Or are guys going to jump ship? It's the same thing in College Station, right? Like, not only for the 2023 class for them, but the guys who are freshmen right now, are they going to be like, this sucks. I want to win. I was promised, number one, I was promised I'd get to play. I'm not playing. Number two, I thought we would win and compete for championships, and we suck. So are those guys going to enter the portal? It's it's great questions, man, and it's increasing the heat on Jimbo's uh, seat up there in College Station. Because Jimbo is incapable of not rambling when giving a, an answer to a seemingly easy question, he did continue on from that uh, initial answer and got into the key to recruiting. Here's that. The key to recruiting, there's no pitch. When you're a good recruiter, you tell the truth. Recruiting is about one thing, truth and relationships. You can draw it up a hundred ways, but it's silly. All, there is no pitch. There is no magical formula. There is no pixie dust. You build a relationship through truth and trust. And a bag of money. <laughs> Did he say pixie dust? Yep. Is Tom Herman coaching there now? What happened? <laughs> Tom Herman is not walking through those doors, Aggie fans. That is a good thing for them, I think. But they hear Jimbo say something that Herman said, and it's like, uh-oh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, no, look, every every coach says that, but every coach is lying about that. I mean, this is not an NIL thing. People who know college, but if you're watching this, you know about recruiting and the shadiness of recruiting. You know what's going on for years and how guys get lied to. Hey, you're going to play here. Oh, cool. I'm going to play here. I'll sign. And when they get on campus, you're going to have to compete for your job. Sorry, dude. And oh, by the way, the senior has a better chance of winning the job than you do because you're a freshman. Like that's the stuff has always been promised. It's elevated. It's heightened in the level of NIL. And of course, you think... I think all of these kids want to live in College Station, Texas, without a little extra incentive. I mean, use your brain. Jimbo says what he has to say. I, I'm, I'm not criticizing him too much for that. I will criticize him for the pixie dust thing. But uh, he said what he had to say. But anyone with a, a college football brain, Trey, uh, knows, knows exactly what's going on. We need to move on here, but I think it is very safe to say at this point for those who thought that Jimbo may be some sort of special quarterback guru, especially after what he was seemingly able to do with Jameis Winston uh, so many years ago now, he is much more Adam Gase than he is some guy who's able to get through to any quarterback that comes under his tutelage. He is a quarterback screamer. He's not a quarterback whisperer. He's a quarterback screamer, sometimes literally, based on how he tries to communicate with those guys on the sidelines when they're not doing what he wants them to. 
Yeah, feels like Connor Wigman's his last chance, right? Like that might be his last opportunity to prove that he can be that quarterback whisperer. And I think Wigman should probably start the rest of the year in Aggieland. We'll see what happens. But, you know, people have always said, uh, look at what Jimbo did with Jameis. It might be look at what Jameis did with Jimbo. Exactly. Look what Jameis was able to do with that guy who hasn't really done anything since he left. So, yeah, misery loves company, and uh, we're both fan bases are, are pretty miserable right now. Trey, it's my favorite time of the year. What time of year is that? Halloween? Well, yeah, like Halloween's cool, and October's the best sports month of the year because you've got everything going on, but none of that stacks up to the return of the McRib. One of my favorite fast food menu items is back once again at McDankey's, but according to corporate, this could be the last year of the McRib. That is right. They are calling it the farewell tour for the McDonald's McRib, which debuted in 1981. It was a staple on the menu forever until 2012. And since then, it's been a seasonal item that they bring back around the colder months every year because apparently the senior archives manager says the McRib is to be enjoyed during the colder seasons. Not quite sure what that means. But McDonald's is taking away freedom, Trey. They're taking away the greatness that is the McRib, at least according to them. Hold on now. One, the McRib. Are we sure that's 100% pork or is that like part pork, part yoga mat perhaps? I'm not sure you want to know the answer to that question. There's a, there's a video surfacing on social media right now that like shows a McRib being made and it's it's pretty disgusting. It's not for the faint of heart. Like I think I'd rather watch uh, open heart surgery than, than watch this thing. Who was surprised by that, though? I watched that video. Did you expect it to be like fresh packaged McRib meat? It's, it has it's fake fa- bone and everything in there. Yeah, it's fast food. It's McDonald's. Like, what, what do you think? They're smoking. You've got Grant Pinkerton out there like smoking <laughs> the meat and then bringing it to every McDonald's across the country. What are we talking about? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And the other question that you have to ask is, is McDonald's just pulling a George Strait bit here? Are they pulling (laughs) the mattress store bit? Where it's uh, going out of business sale, even though they're not really planning on going out of business. A thousand percent. Yeah, this is very much a George Strait farewell tour, which I think he's on his 30th one of those right now. This is exactly what's going on for the McRib. And to answer your question about what it is, I feel like it's just burger meat shaped like a rib and then waterboarded in barbecue sauce. Like that's that's the way I've long described the McRib. All right. And at times I felt like I've wanted to be waterboarded in barbecue sauce. All right. Like, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but that's the most apt description that I can give. So I'm going to treat this thing like this is the farewell tour, even though you're hundred percent right. And there's no way it actually is. I'm going to down a few McRibs over the next couple of weeks. I assume you're, you're going to join me, right? Like you've got to get your last chance at history. I do not remember the last time that I at McDonald's on the lunch slash dinner menu. I've eaten there for breakfast a couple of times in the last, let's say, 15 to 20 years. I could not tell you the last time I got a quarter pounder or Big Mac or Texas home style burger or anything like that. The McRib, 
I probably haven't tried a McRib since I was a kid. Even as a fat kid, I did not like the taste of the McRib that much. It just it tasted too synthetic to me. Do you let your kids eat at McDonald's? Like the McNuggets, the kids burger, any of that? Happy no. meal? As a matter of fact, one of my proudest moments as a parent happened. This would have been a couple months ago now. It was during the summer. We were driving by McDonald's and they looked out and we've never taken the McDonald's. We realized that it's possible that a grandparent or another relative they're hanging out with their cousins or whatever may drive them through McDonald's. But apparently it's never happened because they literally asked us as we were driving by the Golden Arches, do they serve pizza at McDonald's? Justine and I just looked at one another and nodded like, no, we're actually doing something right here. I would have kicked my kids out of the car and find new parents. <laughs> if I ever watched y'all's kids and there's no way you'd ever let that happen, I would take them to the four corners at MLK and airport where there's Taco Bell, Popeye's, Whataburger, and Sonic. And they'd eat items from all four of those places. And then they'd come home and be like, I want Uncle BK to be my new parent. <laughs> I want a divorce. <laughs> they've had Whataburger before. They've never had Taco Bell, or at least they haven't had Taco Bell that I'm aware of. But they they have... Uh, enjoyed the greatness of Whataburger. Thank God. Thank God for that. So you you and Uncle Kevin, uh, our good friend Kevin Dunn, are the exact same because every time we either go to his place or we go out to eat or something, he'll order or serve them something that he knows just drives me crazy. Like he'll get the, he'll get the stink eye from me when he puts it down and he just can't help but to laugh. But he also knows he's feeding them some like cool ranch Doritos or something that kids are just going to love. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what you do when you're the uncle, right? Like uh, you teach them all the bad behaviors and then you make the parents do all the hard work and try to unlearn them the bad stuff. It's as simple as that. All what's right. uh before we move on, what's, what was your breakfast order or what is your go-to breakfast order at McDonald's? Are you a McGriddles guy? You ever had one of those things before? So I have had the McGriddle before I tried it because I'm like, wow, this is interesting. It sounds like it could make the, uh, the original breakfast sandwiches a little bit better, but it's just a little bit too much for me. It gets too mm -hmm. rich at that point. So I'm a, a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit guy. And then I usually get like three or four hash browns too. Okay. All right. That's a solid order. The McGriddles is God's gift to man. I mean, that combination is out of control, but if you had one final breakfast, is the McGriddle a part of it? Yeah. Boy, that's a loaded question. We'll talk more about that next week. I'm going to need – does it have to be all breakfast food? Because I want some Panda Express in there too, and I don't think they serve breakfast. What are you talking about, Panda Express? How what? often are you eating Panda Express leftovers for breakfast? <sighs> Once a week? <laughs> Rounding down? Oh, man. God, mm. your guts must hate you. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I'm going to be fat as hell, dude. The uh, metabolism is still working, but before the end of the show, uh, I'll, I'll be ballooning. I'll be taking up twice the space on the screen that I am now. Your, uh, your gut flora has a uh, Farrah Fawcett cringing, you know, my gut flora has Farrah Fawcett cringing. Yeah. That's you're a new my, one. Your microbiome. Well, mm. I'll, I'll have to try and refine that one a little bit later on. In the meantime, it's time to go from one bizarre story to another with where are we at in society? Where are we at in society today? Thank you, Coach Mike Gundy. Where are we at in society is an attempt to bring you just some of the weirdness going on in 2022. It could have to do with something being canceled, which is a story we're about to get to. Could just have to do with just something bizarre, just the strangeness of people in this current era of human history. And we do have to talk about something getting 2022 this week, BK. And it's something that I'm actually okay with because 
I think this whole thing is a stupid racket to begin with, but astrology is uh, now on the pedestal, just having stones thrown at it. Do you think much of, and we're not talking astronomy here, we're talking mm-hmm. astrology, we're talking about what's your sign. Uh, do you have any thoughts on astrology one way or the other? Astrology is the signs, not the space. Right, like you're a Pisces, correct? Is that an insult? <laughs> that's that's your astrological sign. Oh, the zodiac killer yeah. sign? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I have no idea what it means. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous. People try to tell me that on this day I act like this. And well, normally I act like this because of when I was born. And I'm like, dude, this guy was born on the same day as me and he sucks. Like, what do you mean we're the same person? We're not the same person at all. So yeah, I hate, I hate astrology, man. I don't believe in it at all. It makes no sense to me. So if, if someone's on a path to, uh, to get rid of this, I'm with you. I got no problem with it. All right, well, let's test this because not only do you have these daily fortunes that are told to you through newspapers and I'm sure websites now, but there are general personality traits that are attributed to each sign. So like I'm a Capricorn. Capricorns are hard-headed, which I am, and a couple of other things, some of which I may be, some of which I may not be. But let's look at the Pisces personality traits. Oh, boy. Just see how close to 100% you get here. Empathetic. Yeah, you're empathetic. You may try and say otherwise, but I know you as as the uh, the person that you really are. You're empathetic, yeah. sensitive, sensitive. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Am I, I allowed to judge myself on this? I'm gonna go yes. Okay. You do have a sensitive. Uh, boy, I just said that out loud, and it doesn't sound right. Yeah. We're giving you a 50% credit on sensitive. Ask any woman I've ever been with if I'm sensitive, and and they will say no. They will tell you I'm not a Pisces. Then. That's exactly what I was thinking as that word came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Psychic. You have psychic abilities. Well, based on the weekend football picks, we can put that one to bed. You are definitely <laughs> psychic. Hey, I did pick Oklahoma State to beat the Horns last weekend. I'm, I'm psychic with Texas, but it's not that hard. I just pick them to lose a lot, and they, they usually do. Yeah, and you did. You were uh, on track with the Kansas State game, too, until they lost uh, not only their starting quarterback, but also the backup, too, uh, although Will Howard did come back into the game. God. Okay, yeah, uh, not psychic. Adaptable, yes. Dreamy, I've looked into those eyes in person mm. before. We're going to say yes to that. All right. Generous, definitely generous, despite the fact that m- people may believe otherwise. Curious, yes. Creative, absolutely. Naive. Mm. Naive. Yeah, I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> Is that naive? I don't <laughs> like... There's a little bit of stupidity that goes into naivete. I think a lot of my, whatever that word is, uh, has to do with me intentionally being naive. Like I, I am a vegetable when it comes to anything that's not sports. Like I, I'm intentionally naive towards what's going on in the world. I don't keep up with politics. I don't keep up with the news. I don't keep up with current events. So yeah, I'm naive, but I think it's, uh, it's more by choice than by genetics. Okay, how about gullible? That's the last personality trait here. Are you? I feel like I'm not gullible at all. Um, I, I agree with that. I feel like I'm pretty good at getting other people who are gullible, but that is that is one of those. That's the most obvious no of uh, of all the ones that uh, you've read so far. Okay, so uh, that was maybe a sixty percent uh, hit clip there. Okay, say is it's probably average for people, and it's you know. Each of these signs, it's like throwing crap against the walls. Like this person is this or that. You may be right. You may be wrong. It's a coin flip for every single one of these personality traits because when you're born matters a whole lot less than the environment that you grow up in and also the uh, the genetics 
that your uh, your parents are passing along to you when they yeah, I feel like birth you. I feel like I'd have sixty percent of any of these, right? Wow. Like. I haven't looked at any of them. I haven't even looked at mine until just now, but like, I feel like most people have some, at least some of every single one of these sign traits. So how is astrology getting 2022? Well, it's not official just yet. There aren't any articles on this, but there is a, uh, a thread on Twitter that just shows how ridiculous people are with their thoughts on something that is clearly hocus pocus. There's not a whole lot to it despite what some may want you to believe. So we're going to start with Daisy, who has the Twitter handle I hate day, D-A-I. On October 21st, she tweets out, Virgos are extremely judgmental, which makes them terrible friends and people. They can't even hide it. Well, that was responded to by Angelica Jade, who do, does have the blue check mark. Oh. And she uh, goes by the handle Angelica Bastien. The way y'all people talk about and use astrology is mad weird. Like, do y'all really think of people like this as entirely defined by their signs? That's a sad way to engage with the world. This was followed up by at this broken wheel who said, this is a perfect example of why I call astrology a socially acceptable form of soft bigotry and refuse to have anything to do with it. It's a system that encourages prejudice. Wow. And Summer Tothill decided to finish this idiotic conversation off with, (laughs) I saw somebody call astrology space racism. And yep. Do they take race into consideration? I thought it was just when you were born. No, they don't. Like different races born at different times of years more often than other races? If you're going to go there, bigotry is the better word to use. But yes, space racism was uh, was how we capped this uh, stupidity off. Yeah. Boy, what a compelling argument that is. That is Twitter.com at its finest, isn't it, Trey? Wow. Yes, it is. And now that Elon Musk is back in charge, expect all those suspended accounts to come back into play, too. It's just about to turn even uh, into even more of a, a digital bathroom wall, as our friend Kevin likes to call it. It's God, it's it's just tough pretending to care about someone who cares about astrology. Like I, I care about everyone. So let me let me make sure that's out there. Like mm. I just don't really care when they talk about astrology, when they tell me like I should be this or I should be that or they're this or, oh, we're not compatible, or, oh, we're super compatible. It's just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is, you're really basing what this could be on that, on, like, on space and what some jabronis said on the internet hundreds of years ago. Like, that's how you think this life works. So, like, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's fine. Like, do your thing, whatever you're into. But, like, the people who solely rely on that and make statements like, oh, yeah, if you're a Virgo, then you suck as a person. It's like... You can't like your weight. That's a ridiculous way to go about life, isn't it? Just be glad you are not a single guy in the era of the what's your sign question, which used to be a predominant pickup line. I want to say back in the 1970s. Oh, God. Did you have to go through that? I know you're not that old, but was that anything you ever did? I was was born in 1978. Okay. I don't know if you're trying to pick up babies in the nursery or something. Who knows, man? No, I think we've talked about this before in the old radio show. My best pickup line, God, this was this was batting a thousand. There's nobody to even compare it to in the history of baseball because nobody bats a thousand. But I was batting a thousand with this one in terms of uh, giving myself the end. It was just walking up next to 
somebody that you're interested in of the opposite sex, or maybe it's the same sex for some people watching and listening right now. If you're Just a Virgo, it probably is the same sex. <laughs> so, I think. I hear it's like 25% of the time if you're a Pisces. Oh, oh is that right? Yeah, 25% of the time. So, so one out of every four. Well, I anyhow, 75% then. You, you saunter up next to somebody at, at the bar. You turn to them and say, hey, would you like to take a birthday shot with me? And they say, oh, is it your birthday? And you just say, no, but it's somebody's birthday somewhere. Always gets the, the smirk or the laugh or the giggle. They'll end up taking the shot with you. And there's your end right there. Just and that's it. That's, and you're good to go. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. I think I've tried that a couple of times. Matter of fact, I know I've tried that a couple of times after hearing you say it. And I feel like I'm also batting a thousand with that one too. Yes. So it's good. You. Now you got to have the follow-up game to make it work. Cause if that's all you got, then she's going to leave after a few seconds. But that is an in, that is an in right there. And, and shots uh, often help the rest of the uh, process. Exactly. It's, it's wins all around. It's W's all around, which uh, we never get to experience as Longhorn fans. Yeah. Look at what we do for the kids, man. Teaching them valuable life lessons out here. This is why on Texas football brought us on to do this show. That's right. Well, we don't have any nifty sounder to set up the final portion of the program each week, but it is time for our weekend football picks. Five Uh, minutes to stand up at an open mic is on the line and BK you are as advertised when we uh, restarted the show a few weeks ago. This is episode number three now. So episode number one, you told people, whatever I do, fade me. You will likely win a lot of money most weeks. And sure enough, we're a third week into this now, and you're already down five games. Oh, my God. Like, I feel so bad about this. I almost want to reset it to zero. Jeez. Because yeah, <laughs> I know this start. Can we do this like the Mr. Freeze races at the Braves games? Like I just start halfway ahead of you and then you can come back and catch up. Oh my God. Oh, if this gets much worse, I may have to reset it to zero. Just so there's like some sort of competition here. But yes, you are five games behind. We have three more, I'm sorry, six more games this week and actually three in college and three in the NFL this week. So uh, because I'm ahead, I will pick first on all these games. Ohio State at Penn State, number two at number 13. Buckeyes are 15 and a half point favorites. And you know what? Ohio State's going to win this game. I'm actually picking Penn State to cover. Even though you and I aren't all that high on Sean Clifford, I like what he was able to give a couple weeks ago in Michigan. I think the fact that they're at home will help them keep it a little bit closer. But ultimately, Ohio State probably does win this one somewhere in the 10 to 14 point range. I'm doing the opposite of what I think is actually going to happen. And I'm hoping that works. I'm hoping I can actually get some of these picks right. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think this is going to be a blowout because I think Penn State sucks. So I think Ohio State's going to cover. But I am picking the same as you. I'm going with Penn State plus 15 and a half. Okay. You're welcome, Buckeyes. Yeah. Uh, Another OSU, Oklahoma State, number nine. They're at number 22, Kansas State. 
Still not totally sure about the quarterback uh, situation in Manhattan. Folks think Adrian Martinez will play, but we don't know for sure. Deuce Vaughn also a little bit banged up as well. Despite that, the Wildcats are one and a half point favorites right now. I'm going wrong team favorite here, BK. Give me Oklahoma State to win this one outright. Me too. I, like I, I think K-State's going to win. I think they're going to cover. I'm assuming Martinez plays, but um, I'm going Oklahoma State because I don't think Oklahoma State's going to win. That makes sense. This is the first time in the history of a broadcast that a guy is going to fade himself on every single pick. No, I've done this on the radio show down here too, and I still find ways to miss every game. Oof, that's not good. So you're right. you're in trouble. Well, you're not in trouble because we're picking the same, but right now you're probably 0-2. <laughs> and the uh, other ranked matchup this weekend, it is, uh, it's the ESPN 6 o'clock kickoff here Central Time. Number 19, Kentucky. At number three, Tennessee with the Vols as 12.5-point favorites. Give me Tennessee to cover that one. I think they uh, w- end up winning this one by two or three touchdowns. Uh-oh. I don't like that head shake there. Yeah, I feel bad for you, man, because this is going to be another loss for you. Uh, I-, I think Kentucky's going to cover, but I'm not picking it. I'm picking Tennessee. Minus 12 and a half. If Will Levis plays, which I expect him to, I think this is interesting. It's a big rivalry game. Uh, Tennessee's been getting a lot of love since Bama, um, and they played a nobody last week in Tennessee Martin. I think Kentucky is going to cover, but I'm picking Tennessee. God, I'm not making up any ground on you by doing this. No. I was hoping I would, but maybe the NFL will uh, will have some differences or similarities. Will, will you allow this right now? Will you allow me to switch my pick on every single one of the college games? Sure, if you want to. Okay. You're doing that's, it? That's what I'm doing. No. I'm going to be so mad if you go 3-0 and with the, <laughs> all the things that I thought were actually going to happen. I've got a five-game lead right now. I can lose all three of these games, and I'm still okay, depending on what happens in the NFL games. Yeah, you'll still be okay. I've got a hunch. Speaking of the NFL games, we're going to start in Dallas, Bears at Cowboys. Somehow Chicago is only a game below 500 right now. Please explain that one to me. And uh, despite that, the Cowboys are nine-and-a-half-point favorites right now. Ezekiel Elliott isn't playing on Sunday, BK. That means Tony Pollard's the primary guy in the backfield, which a lot of Cowboys fans look at as a good thing. I think ultimately it will be too, but he does benefit from getting to come in and spell Ezekiel Elliott. Those are two different running styles, and I think it uh, takes the defense some time to adjust to that. Despite that, yeah, I think the Cowboys do cover the nine and a half. Yeah, I, uh, hmm. I'll take the Bears here because I do think the Cowboys would cover the nine and a half as well. Okay. Uh, even without Zeke. So because I'm going opposite of what I think I, uh, I'm going with the bears and I'll give Matt Eberflus a lot of credit, dude. He's that team. Like I, I do sports radio in Houston and like, we know the Texans are one of the least talented teams in the NFL. If the season ended today, they'd be picking second before the year started. We're like, okay, who's on par with the Texans in terms of talent? Like who are the least talented rosters in the NFL? And it was the Texans, like the Falcons were in there. Uh, the lions are always in there. Uh, and the Bears, like I felt like those were the teams that were kind of there on paper going into the year. And the Bears, they're a game under 500, like you said. So I don't know if Fields can really throw, and they've got some serious holes on that roster. But Eberflus has done a good job. So yeah, this is not the cakewalk. Hell, ask the Patriots if the Bears are a cakewalk. Uh, this is not a cakewalk game for the Cowboys by any stretch. But um, yeah, no, the Bears are, are playing a lot better than they probably should be right now. 
playing into Justin Fields' strengths offensively and not asking him to do too much in the way of uh, reads on on passing plays and also having some quarterback-designed runs in there as well to try and keep that defense honest. Mm-hmm. All right, a game that I'm probably most excited about this weekend, even though it involves a couple of mediocre-to-bad teams, it is officially the beginning of the Sam Ellinger era in Indianapolis. Even though Matt Ryan is out with an injury uh, right now, as of last week, apparently, uh, Frank Reich did announce earlier this week that, yes, Sam Ellinger would be the starter this Sunday, and it's actually Sam Ellinger's job the rest of the way in the 2022 football season. Indy at home, hosting the Washington Commies, (laughs) and they are a field goal favorite right now. I'm hammering the Colts to cover this one. Matt Ryan got benched. Ain't no injury. That guy got benched for Sam Ellinger. And I think part of the reason why Reich went with Sam instead of Foles is the Colts O-line is bad. And Sam Ellinger, we know it. He's mobile. He can extend plays with his legs. Obviously, he can pick up yards on the ground, too. I think uh, like he's way more capable of that than Nick Foles, and obviously this version of Matt Ryan is. So uh, I'm pumped for Sam. Unbelievable kid who's been through so much, but we know him personally. Uh, just a great kid who puts in the work, puts in the time. He's earned this opportunity. So I'm super, super excited for him. And I'm going to be rooting for the Colts as long as he's under center. Um, yeah, like I, I, I'm going to take Sam Ellinger. So I'm going to take a Washington plus the three on the road. Like I, I, I think Sam's going to deliver. I really do. Maybe that's the Longhorn bias in me, but uh, I'll bank on him and Jonathan Taylor, a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor. Honestly, he'll, he'll probably be the reason the Colts would win and cover, but uh, I'm fading myself. So give me the, Guardians or uh, commies or whatever uh, in red. Yes. Washington. The Dan Snyder's. Yes. For for a little bit longer, maybe. The fighting blackmailing Dan Snyder's. (laughs) Yes. All right. Last game. It's not as good of a game as we thought it would be at the start of the season because Green Bay is completely sucked. Aaron Rodgers, all out of sorts. Turns out you do actually need at least one really good receiver to be a good quarterback. He doesn't have that anymore with Devontae Adams no longer being there. The Packers at the Buffalo Bills. I think this is a Sunday night football matchup. The Bills, 11.5-point favorites right now. Yeah, they're going to cruise to a victory here. I think they end up winning this one by three or four touchdowns. So give me Buffalo. How about this? The only matchup this weekend in the NFL between teams that have winning records is the Giants and the Seahawks. Who the hell saw that coming this late into the season? Uh, you figured this one would be, you figured the Rams Niners would probably be, there's another game or two that like before the year you would have said, Oh, for sure. These are going to be great games. Maybe the best game of the weekend is the one in Seattle, but uh, I'm with you. So I'm taking green Bay. Like I, I've lost a lot of money on the Packers this year. Just thinking, okay, with Rogers, they'll turn it around. They'll figure it out. And they, uh, maybe at some point they still will obviously plenty of time left this season, but the Bills are rolling right now. They're so freaking good. And the and the Packers just can't do anything right offensively right now. So with that being said, I'm taking Green Bay plus 11 and a half. Gosh, we are different on all six picks. It's possible. It is possible that you end up taking a one-game lead going into next week's games. I hope it happens. Like, I'm feeling bad at this point. This feels like... <laughs> Taking candy from one of my kids, which incidentally is going to be happening in a few days uh, after we oh. uh, go through the Halloween adventure. You don't let your kids keep their candy? I let them keep some of it. We keep it with out of their reach in the pantry. Are you the type of guy who hands out like pencils when kids knock on your door on Halloween? Who doesn't need a good pencil with an eraser in 2022? Yeah. 
my God. Sad thing is, I don't think you're kidding. People who don't know you might be like, ah, that's a no, like, I, I think you're telling the truth. You mean to tell me that a toothbrush isn't he- helping to cancel out all the candy that these kids are getting and all the cavities they're probably going to be getting as a result, too? What does inflation hit the dentist? They can't give out like two toothbrushes anymore every time you go. What's going on here? They don't need that. They don't need that or a pencil. Come on, man. Are you doing anything this weekend for Halloween? I know you're not going to be trick or well. I hope you're not going to be trick or treating on Monday. But uh, do you have any dress up plans or any big party plans? Yeah, man. Yeah, I got something going both nights. The Strohs are also in the World Series um, Friday and Saturday night, so that'll that will be a part of uh, of the weekend festivities for sure. But we've got uh, I think a hippie costume for one night, a little '70s hippie action, and then we've got Kanye West's sworn enemy, aka a rabbi, as my other. <laughs> Halloween costume here in 2022. We got like a rabbi costume. I'm going to print out a picture of Kanye and put like an X over it. So hopefully that gets uh, some laughs from people besides you. Well, I, uh, I pulled the, uh, the Kim Jong-un romper out for last Halloween. I ended up sending you a picture. I, I, uh, I either tweeted it out or actually texted it to you last year. And my family is begging me not to do that again. I think it's going to be a little bit too cold this Halloween to do that once again, but it's tempting. I mean, because mm-hmm. when else am I going to wear that Kim Jong-un romper? Unless it's a time where I'm allowed to dress like a complete buffoon. I would say every time you go to Taco Bell, but that never happens. So that would, that would be nothing. That would be no time at all. You know what? Uh, I will make that guarantee to you right now. Anytime I go to Taco Bell in the future, I will make sure I'm wearing that romper. So that will never be worn again. You have another costume you could wear? Or is, or is it between Kim Jong and normal? I got nothing. Like now I'm considering dressing up as Kanye West. Oh God. I don't think that's going to go over all that well. (laughs) How would you do? I'm not sure I want to know the answer to that. There's there's no element of that costume that would go over well. There's got to be like a Kanye West. Obviously I'm not going to go blackface. Yeah. Good. Kanye West costume. There's got to be like a, like a rubber Kanye West mask Mm. that I can purchase on Amazon. Is that allowable? I guess depends on where you're going. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to the temple this weekend. But some people well, might like it. That's got to be part of the costume. It's just you've got you've got to be willing to say the most crazy, out there, racist, anti-Semitic stuff if you're going to go as Kanye West. I just don't know if I, I would be able to keep up the pace. Yeah, you better make sure that mask is glued to your face so there's no like Scooby-Doo villain situation where <laughs> someone can see who's actually saying that stuff, you know? That'd be, that'd be the end of this show. That'd be the end of uh, a lot of things for you, I think. I'm probably just going uh, Kim Jong-un costume once again. I'll give there him the go. flavor saver below his uh, his bottom lip to make sure <laughs> nobody's seeing too much of my nether regions. You know, it's it's just got to be the costume. You're in and you're, you're out until I can come up with something better. I like it. I like it. Well, BK, have a blast. Stay safe this weekend. Uh, another show is in the books. Thanks to you people for checking us out today. If you did like this episode, make sure to click that thumbs up button. Also, if you haven't done so already, do click the red subscribe button for On Texas Football. It is a great channel, cranking out awesome material all week long, weekends as well. Obviously, getting you ready for Texas football games when there are Texas football games. This is a bye weekend, though. It's a good weekend to have a bye weekend, it being Halloween weekend after all. So hope you have a safe and fun weekend. We will talk to you next Friday. In the meantime, have yourselves a good one. Hook them.